Welcome to the Readings Podcast, a celebration of books. I'm Nico Callaghan. In today's episode, a conversation with Sarah Street, author of the new book, A Curse of Salt. Drawing comparisons to Bridget Kemmerer's Curse Breaker series and Sarah J. Mars's A Court of Thorns and Roses, Street's debut novel is a reworking of the time-old tale of Beauty and the Beast, set amidst the high seas, rich with drama, a well-developed world and romance. To interview Street, his readings marketing assistant, Lucy Des. My name's Lucy and I'm joined today by Sarah Street, the author of the incredible A Curse of Salt. Thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. Yeah, hi, thank you so much for having me. Firstly, I'd like to say I just loved the book. I absolutely devoured it. So could you tell the audience a little bit about what it's about? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much for reading as well. So A Curse of Salt is a Beating the Beast retelling set aboard a magical pirate ship. And it follows the story of an 18-year-old girl called Rhea who just has this great love for the sea and this big desire for adventure. But she sort of feels trapped to her family and trying to look after them on land. And yeah, everything sort of devolves into chaos a bit. She goes out to try and save her family from these pirates. And yeah. So it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Can you tell us why you decided to write that? Beauty and the Beast was always my favorite fairy tale. So I kind of always wanted to write a Beauty and the Beast retelling. I knew that was something I wanted to do. Um, And I've read a lot of them as well. So I kind of had that template to go off of and get to make this story my own. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to write something with pirates in it. I'm not really sure why. I know that I was a bit obsessed with the movie Sinbad as a kid. So that definitely could have influenced that as well. But I really enjoyed getting to kind of put that fairy tale that I loved into this, this completely new setting and everything. Absolutely. I've read a few retellings myself. And for me, this one is was so fresh and unique. Sometimes they can get a bit repetitive, but not this one. I was just devoured it. I consider it a little bit like Pirates of the Caribbean meets Beauty and the Beast with a touch of Moana. Would you agree? Yeah, it's funny that you say that because there's this song from Moana called How Far I'll Go. And I was definitely listening to that song on repeat, like when I first started writing this book. So there is definitely a touch of that Moana influence in there as well. Yeah. In regards to soundtracks, while I was reading the book, I just like could hear like Pirates of the Caribbean music while I was reading and all those sorts of things. And obviously Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, were you listening to other music while you were writing? Yeah, I do make specific Spotify playlists for all my books that I write. So there's definitely like 20 or 30 songs or something that I just had going like on a loop when I was writing it. I can't think what else specifically. I know Ocean Eyes by Billie Eilish. That was a big one because I started writing this like 2018, I think it was. So that was a big one then. And when those sea shanties got really popular on TikTok, I definitely had a bit of a sea shanty phase as well. So all that kind of stuff was going on in the back of my mind while I was writing this for sure. That is so fun. I might need to get you to send those playlists to me. I'd love to see them (laughs) or listen to them, I guess. Yeah. So the world building is incredible. The, The ocean, the ship. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about that? Yeah, I think definitely the starting point for all of it was just like the ocean. I've always really loved it. I'm not that much of a beach person. I don't go to the beach that often, but I can definitely just sit and stare at a body of water for 
extended periods of time. So that was a big inspiration for me with the world building and everything kind of just built from there around that and around this kind of magical feeling that I feel like we get from the ocean. And yeah, the ship as well. I I don't know anything about ships or sailing or anything like that. So that was a really fun learning process for me, just like pouring over all these diagrams of ships and then piecing together this kind of magical giant pirate ship. That was really fun for me. Amazing. Have you been on a ship since? Probably a ferry, but I would say that's (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really a boat person. Just imagine it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It sort of ended a little bit sort of up in the air. Is there going to be a book too? So I haven't written a sequel for this one as it stands. It is meant to be a standalone because originally I did want to expand on it. But when I first worked with my editor, we decided that it would actually probably work better just as one standalone novel. There's definitely room there to do something more with it. I'm just not sure at this stage whether that's something I will do. But there is another book that is coming at some point. You will get to hear more about it, hopefully, that will follow some of the characters from this book. And yeah, that's all I'll say for now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like in my mind, I'm just thinking about which characters I'd want the most out of. (laughs) So what was your hope for the book going out into the world? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I didn't have any specific plans for this when I was first writing it or themes that I was actually focusing on. But I think looking back on it now, I can see like high school me writing this and looking for escapism and just that feeling of freedom and being far away from school and all my responsibilities. So I think I would hope that people reading it can get a little bit of that magic escapist feeling from it and that desire for freedom and getting to chase what you want like I think the main character learns to do throughout the novel so yeah absolutely I know I got a little bit of escapism there (laughs) so you said that it was you originally wrote it as a trilogy in mind so what else has changed about the book throughout the writing and publishing processes Uh, it's a good question it has been a very long process I think this book has evolved like several times in a really big way it used to be written in third person as well I think that was like the first thing that when I did like this massive rewrite back in like 2019 and the sisters have a bit more of a presence in it now as well and the love interest in this book has definitely become more of a feminist as I've grown up and seen the era of my ways and things like that. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's evolved a lot, but it's also been in its current form for like two years by now. So I'm sure there's more stuff I would have changed. You know, if I wrote it now, it definitely would be very different, but yeah, it's a really interesting, long process. Do you find it scary that it's almost out in the world or are you just excited? Yeah, it's a little terrifying. I mean, I'm very excited. This is like such an amazing opportunity, but it's also a little bit like the whole world getting to read your teenage diary. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) me when I was 18 compared to me now, I mean, I feel like these have been some years of massive growth and change and everything. And so it's funny people reading something that, you know, belonged to me uh, quite a long time ago. So yeah, nervous, but excited. Yes, of course. It's so exciting. So what is your writing process? 
My writing process definitely changes depending on what I'm working on. I think for this book, it was quite a slow one. The first draft took me probably about a year to finish and it was about 120,000 words. It was really long. And so editing that was just a matter of like cutting it down and making it better. But now I have more of a much messier but faster process. I like to do sort of a zero draft where I just put everything that I want down on the page and I leave out massive chunks and have huge plot holes, but I just go with the vibes and the flow of it and just put something really messy together that I can fix later because I also really enjoy editing. So it gives me a chance to have something on the page that I can actually just fix. And that feels really good. So yeah, usually I go through about three drafts before I ever show it to anyone else because it's so messy. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that it's you have to have at least be on draft four before you should even think about submitting it somewhere. So I feel like that's a good idea. That's probably yeah. good advice, but I just yeah. go with three anyway. <laughs> <laughs> probably four for me, I guess. Um, what did you read as a child that made you want to become an author? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I read way too much to be able to pick a specific answer. I was just constantly had my head in a book all the time. So it would be really hard to narrow it down. But I remember having a massive obsession with the Warrior Cat series. I think the author is Erin Hunter. And yeah, I absolutely devoured those books. And I think when I first started writing, I would just copy whatever I was reading. Like I would just write my own version. So I made up all these warrior cat clans of my own and everything and was just like plagiarizing like absolutely ripping off (laughs) any book that I was reading but that's definitely how I got into it just feeling inspired by basically anything I was reading and wanting to try and recreate it so yeah it makes sense that I'm starting off my writing career with a retelling I think (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so you mentioned obviously Beauty and the Beast as an inspiration and Pirates of the Caribbean were there any other influences in this book? Definitely Pride and Prejudice was another big one for this. That has always been my favorite Jane Austen book. And I've watched the 2005 movie like countless times, like genuinely so many times. (laughs) So that definitely had an influence on me. I think I was sort of going for that kind of Darcy Elizabeth dynamic with my two main characters. Uh, So yeah, that's the only other one that I can really think of off the top of my head. And Sinbad, obviously, that movie (laughs) and the the sea god in that one definitely made an impact on me somewhere throughout my childhood. (laughs) I am a BBC girly for Pride and Prejudice, so I am definitely going to fight you on the 2005 edition. (laughs) We'll just pretend to be friends for this. That's fine. That's fine. They both have their merits. Absolutely. Are you reading anything at the moment? I just finished reading a really fantastic book called Black Heat by Bex Hogan. Uh, It comes out in, I think, June. So it was an arc from my publisher, but that was fantastic. Yeah, I I just finished that yesterday. So I don't have anything on the go at the moment, but Harrow the Ninth is up next. That's what I'll be reading. Oh, yeah. Book in that series, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So do you read a lot of young adult books yourself? Yeah, I'd say so. That's probably like my main genre, young adult fantasy. Although I do read a lot of contemporary romance as well. Just anything that's easy to get through. Like, I don't want to have to think too hard. I know Gideon the Ninth is not a good example of an easy read, but generally what I stick to is just things that can hold my attention. Yeah. And so you've mentioned before that you have an agent. 
what would be your advice for any young writers out there looking for an agent or looking to get published? Mm, yeah, I found my agent basically through luck. It was like, I feel really fortunate to have found her because I did a whole lot of research before I started querying into how to get an agent and I feel like in Australia it is quite difficult there's not a whole lot of information out there and it's quite a you know enigmatic process and everything so I was looking at all these agents in the U.S. and I thought that was just where I would find a market and you know just sell a book in the U.S. and all that so I I sent a query out it does take a while to get a query in good shape I think that's another challenge of the process but there's so many good resources online so I managed to figure that out and yeah it was querying all these US agents and then there was a pitch contest on Twitter which I think Twitter is also quite a good resource for just connecting with other writers and finding agents and things like that and yeah I tweeted in some contests and she liked my tweet and I'd never heard of her before and I went and looked her up and I was like oh she's a great fit and it just worked out so well after that so that was honestly just a stroke of luck I think a big part of the process is about who you query and when and there's so many different factors involved. But yeah, I think just doing research online and trying to find people who are in a similar situation with you, those are probably the best resources out there, I think, for further writers. Absolutely. So if you hadn't chosen Beauty and the Beast to do a retelling, what would have been another fairy tale you would do a retelling of? Hmm, Good question. I think if I hadn't done Beauty and the Beast, Originally, the other one that I've always loved is Cinderella. So I might have chosen that as like my first one. But my other book that you will hopefully be hearing more about eventually, that one is actually a Red Riding Hood retelling. Yeah, which I do like that fairy tale. I feel like I haven't read that many iterations of it. I did love the movie Hoodwinked. I think that inspired it more than the actual (laughs) Red Riding Hood fairy tale, to be honest. Yeah, those are definitely ones that stuck out to me. Yeah. I absolutely love Hoodwinked. I watched that movie over and over again. I believe that's all my questions I have for you today, Sarah. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was so nice to talk to you. A Curse of Salt is available from all reading stores, as well as at our website, where you can stream previous episodes of the Readings Podcast, and you'll also find all kinds of other recommendations for great books, music, film, and TV. You can also sign up to e-news or receive our free monthly newsletter, The Readings Monthly. The Readings Podcast is produced by me, Nico Callaghan. The show's music is by Tom Hoskins. All episodes of this show are recorded and produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I'd like to acknowledge traditional owners of this land and pay my earnest respects to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you.